0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy The Breakthrough Breakdown.
1: Hey, welcome to The Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. It's Kate. I'm John. And Jennifer. Uh, So I haven't been on in a few weeks. I I had the vid... And like a month ago, like five weeks ago, I lost my voice and it's still not back fully. I think I need to go get that checked out. <laughs> if uh, you
2: didn't start podcasts with yelling, it could help.
1: I did, but that wasn't a yell. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a yell. That was just a... Hello! Uh, to the <laughs> <time>. <laughs> like Mrs.
2: Doubtfire.
1: Hello! Hello! It's a random okay. right, right fruiting. <laughs> when well, my voice is normal, I sound just like her, but I'm, I'm not right now. <laughs> uh, well, Kate, thank you for hosting last week. It was fun. Yeah, uh, I appreciate I really appreciate it. And then we took a break. So this is technically our second podcast of the new year. Um we are still in Galatians. Okay, so in Sermon Read Through today, I'm just gonna, <laughs> my my sermon got eviscerated. It was awesome. Uh and and here's no, and let me let me say this. And I really I want everybody to hear this. So like everybody kept on apologizing, like, no, no, the content's great. The whole reason why we do sermon read through is because sometimes you'll write something and in your head you're like, oh, this is great. And then you bring it to other people and they're like, it's not nearly as great as you think it (laughs) is. But here's the thing. What I appreciate, and this is exactly why we do it, is, and we talked about this, is one of the struggles that I have with Galatians in particularly. Galatians is a tough book. It is like it's it's one Paul reiterates himself like 19 times over and over again.
2: And then he sends one liners that are like really hard.
1: Yes, and and it's so like at one point I think it was Kate or Jennifer one of you was like, "You know what, you, if there's a way to reconnect what you just said to the previous verse." And the problem is, is that half the time Paul's writing something his thoughts don't connect and it's almost like, "Paul, did you know did you forget what you were writing?" <laughs>
0: He was impassioned, probably, you know. He's right? just it's like, going. It's just going. It's like one of those Facebook rants that you wish you wouldn't have sent out. Like,
1: Well, yeah, so uh, Tim Gombis. he's like. I shall
0: he... delete this
2: Galatians line. Give
1: me a new
0: scroll. Too bad, Paul. Somebody already screenshot that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they didn't screenshot it. Like, they laid it on as the ink was fresh. Yeah, Ah, yeah. trapped. It's, uh, well, I was listening to a, a, a theologian guy named Tim Gombis. And this was like a year or two ago. I I heard this, but someone asked him. He's a Pauline scholar, so that's like his life is studying Paul. And they said, "Hey, you know, what do you think about the book of Galatians?" And his response was, "I he goes. I bet you, if Paul, if you could talk to Paul now, if he's like, can can we just take that one away? Not, (laughs) can we just not use that one?" (laughs) But here's what I. The reason why we did Galatians is that it really fits with our, you know, our our whole mission. The mission that we're going to, or the vision that we're going to, is this idea of being a Tove Church. Tov meaning uh, good, and we want to be a church that doesn't just do good, but brings God goodness into the world. And we have those three words, belong, believe, become. Well, Galatians is all about belonging. And so I'm glad we did it, but man, it is, it's is—it's not been an easy book. Yeah. Um, I think it was Derek during Sermon Read-Through, he goes, can I just say I'm kind of over Galatians? <laughs>
2: it was, I don't know if you heard this comment from the other side of the table, but Megan goes, well, the good thing is I may ne- I will never read the Book of Galatians uh, in the same way again. And he, and Derek said I may never read the Book of Galatians again.
1: <laughs> oh, Derek! <laughs> well, and then I loved when you were like, and you. This is what it's like to work with him as a boss. What did What did you? I don't, we don't need to go there. It's fine.
2: <laughs> so I was like Let it with my husband because your husband also has a very similar sarcastic, <laughs> very witty, witty, clever, but comments. like always not the nicest. You're yeah. like, oh, but that was smart, and so I'm gonna laugh at it and. It was very well similar. done. It was but, very, also, but also, it also, shame on you and naughty boy. <laughs> yeah,
1: and Derek's not even gonna listen to this. That's the best part about it. Like <laughs> it's not his
2: favorite medium. I would say this to his face. I know you his face. I have said, yeah, that, yeah. Right? Yeah, okay, I've said it to his face.
1: Well, and, and this is the thing. So, like, we've just spent—I mean, a few months now—and and here's the part. I was actually just reading some research that is showing that more and more um, younger Christians, those that are in they putting in that 35 and under. Excellent.
2: I'm no longer in that. I
1: know I haven't been in it in eleven years, so leave me alone. But uh, younger, <laughs> way to go, Cade. Woo! Yeah, you and me. Well, we okay, got Sean in the room Sean. as our That's worship. True. Our worship director is 24. Okay, real quickly. We side do note, an
2: average of the age of this podcast.
1: Well, I bring it way up. So, so here's the here's the best part. So I was Sean and I we were we were playing Call of Duty one night, right? And it was right after Bob Saget died, and Uh-oh. I go, man, it's crazy, like. Bob Sagg is just 19 years older than I am. I've been in ministry 22 years. And his response is, well, he's 41 years older than me. I'm like, shut up, Sean.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doesn't 41 seem so much longer than 19? Like, you four, you got three, two whole other decades. And, and, uh, anyways, mm-hmm. but here's, here's the thing. So, like, as I've been walking through this, uh, what they're showing is more and more, uh, particularly younger people, younger, and not even just Christians, even non-Christians, they actually want to understand scripture. They, uh, the whole model or the medium of topical, which means, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about money or we're going to talk about faith, those are helpful. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoy those. But a lot of times they don't actually answer the question because you're not teaching people scripture, you're teaching them a few verses. Yeah. And more and more churches are going to this style of preaching, which is preaching a book. And like John Piper, who was a pastor up at Bethlehem Baptist in Minneapolis, he was most known for, he did a seven-year series on the Book of Romans. Wow. Seven years through the Book of Romans, and their church exploded during it. Like, in a good way. Like, got huge. It
2: blew up!
1: And the church blew up. Halfway know. through Romans chapter 4, and it just... Boom. Boom.
0: It became a
2: mobile church.
1: <laughs> uh, but and, and that's part of the reason why we're doing this. I've never and, heard that before. And, and it was, um, you know, he became known for that. And part of the reason why the church grew... Is he did such a great job of helping people understand Scripture. Now we're not spending seven years on anything, uh, but I think sometimes there's a there's a good side to this is that we have had to work through some very difficult texts. Yeah, and and there are almost in every part of the Book of Galatians in every chapter, there's probably one or two sections where you're just like, how, what are you trying to say, Paul? Or how do you, how do we how do we break this down because Paul is so rich. Um, so thick in his theology and his understanding, and he's bringing in Old Testament people and other things. Yeah. And so we just spend all of the last four chapters, kind of leading up to the last two. And the last two are going to kind of fly by. They're really about this life and the spirit. And and here's why I bring this up. What I appreciated about the sermon read through is even as I was writing the sermon, there. I, this is this is when you know things need to change. Even even, even as I'm writing it, I'm like. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> because again, it's he, you're rehashing things. And the sermon read-through allowed me to kind of go, maybe I need to approach this from a different angle. And there's a different, a better way to approach it. And that's that's what's beneficial about it. So I am bring all this up because here in the podcast, the sermon, uh, the podcast today, the sermon might actually look a little different than it does on Sunday.
2: Probably a lot different.
1: Probably a lot different. And we always, we, we record this right after sermon read-through. So it's a pre-recorded so that it comes out the week of the sermon. And, and so just know that as we're listening, there might be some things that are different, but I think the main stuff is still going to be there. So let's kind of, um, without going into all the recap, uh, I want to encourage you if, you, if you haven't listened to last week's message, uh, listen to last week's message. Um, if you're here on Sunday, awesome. If you're curious about other things, please go online and listen to the other things or listen to the podcast. But Paul starts off, Galatians chapter 5, this whole part of the first four chapters are all about Paul. Setting the stage that the Gentiles are exchanging freedom for slavery. That these Gentile believers have essentially, because they've bought into this, the Judaizers believing that the law is what the goal should be, not Jesus, they've re-enslaved themselves. And they've they've moved themselves into from freedom to legalism. And and before we get into that, I think there's two things we need to look at. Okay, so one is legalism, the other is liberalism. And I, I don't know, do you guys think that most people relate to the Galatian church in their context? In other words, have you met anybody that struggles with legalism? How often do you think legalism is the issue in the church versus liberalism?
0: I think, yeah, absolutely. Especially when, for me, when I noticed it, an issue, it wasn't when I became a new believer or when I, you know, first started coming to the church, it was when I thought I knew what I was talking about, <laughs> right? Right. Yep. When you start to get that, that pride of like, no, the way I do it and the way I see it and the way I understand it is the way that it is. And you start to get, you kind of pigeonhole or bottleneck your faith and your understanding of the gospel. When you start to, like, we preach that a lot. where We say like, oh, it's a simple gospel. And so you're like, okay, I'm not going to accept anything else but this. And you end up missing the point and missing the fact that, that there's a bigger picture sometimes. Simple doesn't mean that it lacks depth. And what you do is you take the depth away and you make it a surface understanding that won't go anywhere else. So yeah. it was when I started to think that I knew what I was talking about that I realized that I was becoming legalistic or I recognized it in others. And I was like, oh, you don't, you don't view this any bigger than what you're saying right now in this yeah. moment. The context of what you're doing so give in an this example. blib of time. Give
1: an example. I, I have my okay. own examples, but I'd like to hear one of yours.
0: <laughs> so the context of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It being a separate baptism to receive the Holy Spirit where sometimes people can be very legalistic in nope. that not in our church we don't really that's not a platform we believe in or push in our beliefs you know sometimes we
1: don't a, believe it we just don't push it we don't not legalistic push it. about it yet yeah
0: we, we're not legalistic about it in fact as a Lutheran Church we don't believe in it we don't believe that there is a separate baptism that's
1: actually some Lutherans do
0: Sure so okay. that's so, so we, do we?
1: I, well, this, so this is the thing. It's a, it's a bigger question as we, is do we, as Luther did believe in a baptism because he believed in the gifts? The, I think what we're talking about, because this, this is a great conversation as an example, uh, in some schools of thought, the evidence of a separate baptism is tongues.
0: Right. And but that do we don't we believe in. We do that. We no. don't believe
1: in that, but we do believe that there is a baptism of that the, Holy you Spirit, the Holy
2: Spirit. Receive
0: Holy Spirit.
1: And there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's, not
0: through baptism do we believe that you only receive the Holy Spirit through baptism, or that that you need your baptism with water needs to have a separate baptism to receive the Holy Spirit. We so, don't believe that. This Because <laughs> I had a very long, in-depth conversation with Derek several times about this.
1: Yeah. So this is this is where again, and I you always have to be careful when you say Lutherans. Because there are so many there different flavors snacks. of Lutherans, mm-hmm. like Baptists. And so I, the stance that Zion takes, I'm not going to say is the Lutheran stance. It's our Lutheran stance, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That's, that's what I... But that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So it's,
0: it's like legalistic, where it's like now, now you've got these things where it's like, do you fit, do you don't fit? You're missing Is the that the point? That's right.
1: So if somebody... Is com- that
0: the point? Can you personally yeah. be the judge of someone's Holy Spirit or whether or yeah. not they received it? Absolutely that's not. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and so that's if, the point. And so if somebody were to come and Say well, I believe in the gift of tongues. It comes to that. I'm not gonna say, well, this isn't a church for you because we don't believe that. Mm-hmm. That was my. That's exactly the point. Mm-hmm. Is that even in Lutheranism, there are some Lutherans that will say, well, we don't believe in the gifts. Yeah, but Luther believed in the gifts. But are we ultimately Lutherans or are we Christians? Right.
3: Yeah, I remember one time I was working at uh, I was working at camp, and we had a group. Com- we would have groups come in on the weekends, like to rent the camp out or certain areas of it, and it it was a kind of charismatic group they uh they were they were in that same vein of speaking in tongues and and i remember going to like walking down to the main worship center and they're in the middle of like their service in the main worship center and it was like it was loud they were just like going at it and i was like this is kind of weird i don't know what to think about this but at the same time it's like That I I could feel a little bit of my, like, this isn't how you do Christianity. This isn't how you, I could feel that kind of creeping in the (laughs) back of my mind there going. But we opened the camp up to them. Like, we knew what kind of where they were coming from before they even signed
1: on to come to the week you know, come that weekend. So when we partnered with a local church for the revival night, Mm -hmm. there were parts of the revival night that personally, me personally, I was not theologically on board with. I'm not going to question whether or not they love Jesus. We yeah, just have man, a different yeah. view on theology. Yeah, yeah. And there were some things that I would even say that there were parts of it that I would say were really healthy and I think would be good for our church to inhabit that space. And there were parts that I would say that was really unhealthy and could lead to a different form of legalism. Um, how, about, how about you guys? What do you think? Do you think our church, Do you, not just Zion, but do you think it's more common for legalism or liberalism in the church?
3: So, and well, I, I,
1: I appreciated the comment.
3: I don't Cam. know. I think me personally— can trend toward a legalistic view of things, okay. but on the whole, yeah, I think on the whole, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of like proof of this or evidence of this, but I feel like there's a, a trend towards liberalism with ah. just
1: like. And let's be clear, we're not talking about Republican no, conservative. No. We're talking about liberality with like, sin, like,
3: like, yeah. You're,
1: You're free, free to do whatever Literally whatever you whatever, want. To yes. whatever you this want. is and not a political we conversation. Yeah, no. And yeah.
3: We'll, yeah. we as the church will love you no matter what. No matter what. It doesn't matter what you believe or who you follow. We will love you no matter what. And Which I think is that's, true.
0: It's true. But we don't need to stay Love there. and acceptance
1: of things are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. I
0: think that a lot of... Um, more conservative churches or legalistic churches or older, deeper, traditional churches sometimes, not deeper, but traditional churches, they fear this, like, deconstructing, right? And they're like, oh, don't deconstruct. Like, And I think that that deconstruction movement has... Value. I think any time that you can look and open up your perspective and see the value in something doesn't mean all of it is right. Yeah. But can you see the value in simplifying the church yeah. in the way that you view your faith and the gospel? Absolutely, and that's what the, that movement is trying to do. Yeah. But their fear is the liberalism that your
1: liberality. Again, libera- yeah, yes. we're not talking politics. So I yes. think politics have hijacked some language. Mm-hmm. Some terms.
0: Too, too liberal with sin and how to stay there and that you can, you can be and stay that way. That you don't have to walk mm-hmm. out your faith. You don't have to yeah. express love or so express what, your faith through um, love.
1: So one of the arguments against Paul, and some people don't like Paul or uh, a lot of Pauline language, is that Paul moves in what's called antinomian. Nomo is the Greek word for law. And Paul seems to speak so much against the law that some people think that Paul was saying, well, Christians just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then you haven't read the whole, everything. Yeah. And, and so I think that's part of the fear within the church is, well, if we, don't, if we don't talk about the sin, if we don't talk about this and always address everything at every time, that somehow we're, we're affirming or saying that sin is okay. Yeah. But Paul just spent four chapters, four full chapters where he didn't even really talk about the individual sins. He talked about the sin of legalism.
0: Yeah.
1: He didn't, he didn't address sexuality issues for four chapters. He didn't talk about gossip or slander Four chapters. It's all about don't fall into trap of legalism specifically that you need to be Jewish in order to be saved. Not that you need to follow the law to be saved, but that you have to be Jewish to be saved. How about, how about you, Jennifer?
2: Well, I was thinking for me, I definitely lean towards legalism. I would prefer to follow the rules. And I see benefit in following the rules and benefit in, in obedience. I, have a, I do have a hard time discipling and reaching out to people who are living pretty f- care, like free, sin-wise, yeah. who say they're Christians. And so that comes back. It's not so much a legalism. I think it's just a judgment. I think if we're not careful, we can definitely miss... It's not good for people to be to be free in their sin. And I think that's the thing that's so hard is it's truth and love. It's love and truth <clears throat> and probably love before truth, but you do need both of them in order to in order to be to be a disciple of Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. So here's a recent statistic and I don't have the number, so I'm not going to say it because you know 85 percent of statistics are made up. It is? <laughs> is it that high? I thought it was like 72. It might be 63.9. I yeah, don't know. but that sounds right. But this is actually, they've done some recent studies that have showed that um, the number of Christians who cohabitate before marriage is so high that most pastors don't even want to talk about it anymore because, one, they just don't think the people care, but they're so afraid of losing people that they don't address the issue anymore. Right. And when I do premarital counseling, and I'll be honest, I would say... Out of my last 15 weddings, probably 13 of them were cohabitating.
2: Mm. Not us.
1: No, and you <laughs> it actually, was it was you and one other couple that weren't. Sure. And, and these are people, and the first question I ask is, because I want to know, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. Do you, wanna lo- do you love Jesus with all that you are? Yes, I do. Okay. Are you living together? Yes. Okay. I'm assuming if you're living together, you're sleeping together. Uh-huh. Okay. So here's the thing. And I'm like, you need to know, I'm going to marry you regardless. I am. And you need to know I love you. And you need to know that that I I don't think less of you because I got my own sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to follow Jesus, Jesus gives this as an example. And then the other thing I say is I'm going to say this one time. Every time we talk, I'm not going to ask you about it again. Are you doing that yet? Because, okay, so you moved out. That doesn't mean you've changed your heart. But I have to speak the truth. And half the time, more than half, I would say, a majority of them are like, no, we get it. And then the Mm -hmm. challenge I give is this. It's easy to say, I want to love Jesus with everything I am until it's something that requires sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And I've only had, I've had two couples, two couples, who actually decided to move out until they got married. Mm -hmm. And then one of them moved back in just because of financial reasons. And I'm like, but then they just, they chose to sleep in separate bedrooms. And they did. They didn't, they weren't sleeping together anymore. But here's the thing. I would actually argue for those who are in the church who've been in the church for longer, it's easy to fall into legalism, yeah. but it's a different brand of legalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not the legalism of you need to be circumcised, it's more legalism based on what my personal preference of Christianity yeah. is. Yeah,
3: yeah, or how we've been doing it these last 5, 10, 15, 30 years. It's, a, years, it's yeah. a
0: new way of looking at church tradition, and that dictates your expression of faith.
1: And then we now then judge other people and say, well, you're not really a church, or you're not really a Christian if you do this.
2: Mm-hmm. Fill in and, the blank. and
1: that's what Paul's been railing on. And so when we get to Galatians 5, chapter 1, or verse 1, he makes this great statement. He says, "It is for freedom that you have been set free." Now, in the language, it's the aorist tense, uh, which nobody cares about. That, but here's the gist of it. God, uh, Paul takes these words, "free" and "freedom," and he says, "free," which is an adjective. You are free. It's a description. But then he makes "freedom," which is a noun. You were free for freedom's sake.
3: Mm.
1: You weren't free just because God believes in freedom. You weren't just free because you know it's better to be freedom. No, freedom is at the heart of God's desire for humanity. It's a state of being that God wants humans to be in. And so God does all this freedom. Here's the problem. We keep on going back to slavery. And he uses that don't go back to the yoke of slavery in verse 1. And the yoke of slavery here, and this is why I bring up the liberal, again, not politics. We're talking about liberal as far as sin management or how you deal with sin living liberally yes uh versus legalism is that on the liberal side the gentiles weren't they didn't have the law before this is romans chapter one they lived according to the law written on their own hearts they determined what was right or wrong and yet they were still enslaved to it the jews had a different law they had a different slave master and that master was the law which revealed their sin and which then said they were worthy of death both led to death two different masters paul is getting into this whole thing of wait Jesus came to make you free, but freedom does not mean you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. And I, I think about driving my car, right? My daughter's at that age where she can get her permit. Now, she's a little bummed because I guess in Iowa, and I, you'll have to tell me if this is right or not, but my understanding is, is that you can drive at 14 if you live at least a mile away from your school.
0: That's like a school permit.
1: Okay, so yeah. you can get a school... But she
2: could still get a regular permit Happen. and yeah, drive a with school,
1: an adult. But a school permit, she could drive to... By herself. By herself. So that didn't exist when I was a kid. Like, California, that's do not it, a thing. And
2: it, you,
0: So, like, we used to do it... Um, I lived in the country, and I had a school permit. And yeah. you could drive... I could drive by myself to school 11 miles away. So that's
1: that's my thing, right? So she lives literally across the street Two from blocks. school. So she can't do it. <laughs> oh,
0: I so see. So she's like... Within a mile. Yeah, she had to be within
1: a mile. And so she's like... Muh. But, that is
0: a bummer. <laughs> but, I
1: mean, I think about think about freedom, and this is really what the freedom in the gospel is. Freedom is you can do whatever you want. Even in America, I think America has when we we're a uh, of healthily understanding freedom. Mm. Mm. Freedom does not mean I can do whatever I want. Yeah, it means I have the freedom to make choices, and that if I have make,
0: consequences. That's right, <laughs>
1: and that's what Paul's getting to, and yeah. everything that Paul is leading to is that hey, you can go back to that yoke of slavery. I look at these. I look at, uh, let's go back to those, and I'm not meaning to, this isn't a, I'm not meaning to grandstand on this or soapbox on this, but couples who live together before they get married,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: they get, let's say they don't get married. They actually put themselves in a yoke of slavery without any of the covenant in love because I've watched as couples that who live together, who got mortgages together and the relationship falls apart. And what's the consequence? Now they're bound in debt together. Yeah. They've got all these things where had they waited until they were married, now guess what? You've got a covenant that keeps you in, which is why God cares about the covenant. Um, we see the same thing. I have all this freedom as a Christian to do it, but real freedom is the desire to not want to do things that aren't yeah. beneficial.
3: Yeah. It's weird to think about for me sometimes where, and I think for a lot of people they would say, yeah, I'm free to do whatever I want. And they wouldn't think of going back to, whatever particular sin or whatever particular um, tradition if you're talking about church stuff they wouldn't think of that as being bound in into a law or as, yeah. as, a like as a slave you wouldn't yeah. think like you wouldn't think of that for me it's like if I really 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 love chocolate and I eat chocolate at every single meal and I can't get enough of it and I gotta go but it's like no I'm free to do whatever I want I'm free to eat I can eat chocolate whatever but it's like you're you're captivated by it. You're—it's enslaved you now. Yeah, and it's like you wouldn't think about that language. You wouldn't think to—I wouldn't think about that. There's so many things. I'm like, I go back to that a lot. And I well, and didn't that's
1: realize—and that Paul addresses that in Corinthians when he says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Too. Yeah, <clears throat> and would I that
2: think, would that be—that's not the same with sin, though. Like that would—that would apply for like the chocolate example that he just no, gave. No,
1: actually, and this is why some people struggle with Paul. Is they think that paul is saying you can do whatever you want because paul actually in that text he's saying you are free to sin because guess what you're, you're you, 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 have have the choice. you have the will to do it not just that but you have salvation and you have you have grace mm. so as a christian you have 100 the right you have the freedom to sin knowing that you're going to be it doesn't change it's going to be salvation. forgiven it doesn't change
0: which gives you the freedom from the law
1: that's right and so some christians take that and there was actually a group that said, well, the only way we can experience God's forgiveness is by sinning. So what we should do is just sin a whole bunch so we expo- experience more of God's grace. <laughs> oh, is, there, so- is
0: that still a cult today, just asking for a friend?
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, but that was a real thing. Now, I want you to think about this. Before you had the whole scripture and you're told, hey, the best way, God is a God who loves to forgive. And you know how good it feels to be forgiven. And, but the only way you can be forgiven is through your sin. Man, I love how it feels to be forgiven. It actually is a logical conclusion then. If I want to experience more of God's grace, mm. I should do things that require more of God's grace. Well. And so Paul says, wait, how much more do we need to crucify God? Like, mm. no, we're we're set free so we don't have to sin anymore.
3: Right.
1: And now that you have grace, you don't ab- abuse grace. And when we get into the book of Ephesians, which I'll mm. be honest, man, preaching Ephesians would be so much easier than Galatians. But we, we did the hard thing and <laughs> preached through a hard book. But, there you go. Um, the point is, is that when you understand your identity, I don't want to do things. When I understand how free I am, I realize what the captivity is. The captivity from, from all of that. The
0: freedom that comes with obedience is something that we don't think about because it's yeah. so hard of a concept to really wrap your head around. But if you're being, you have to obey to God's will, doesn't that isn't that just being a different kind of slave?
1: Well, and then so in Romans, Paul actually says you're a slave to righteousness. Yeah. We're always enslaved to something. The we question we do is, have a
0: Lord, absolutely. And so the question
1: is is which master do you want? Do you Amen. want a harsh master or a loving master? Yeah. There's a um, yeah. One of the commentaries it might have been David Platts uh, was quoting from another commentary, <laughs> which just shows that no one writes their own stuff. We're always taken from other people. Yeah. And he shared a story about, um, it was in the 1800s after the Emancipation of Proclamation. And this young woman who was enslaved, this man bought her, bought her as a slave. And when the Emancipation came through and he said, hey, um, I bought you. And, and you've got to realize when the Emancipation happened, it didn't happen quickly. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, you had a lot of the southern states that rejected it. And so you had people that were technically legally set free, but the owners would not let them go. So this man buys this young woman, and then says, "Hey, I bought you. You are free. You are free to do whatever you want. If you want to leave, go. If you want to, if you want, whatever you want to do." And and she goes, "No, no, but I'm you bought me. I know, and I'm choosing to let you go. I'm giving you freedom. What do you want?" And this is the story that this guy shares, and the woman says, "Then I choose to stay with you." She's no longer a slave at that point because she and because she has that freedom to stay. The Paul uses in Romans this language that we are now slaves to righteousness, but ultimately the idea, and again, I realize in our culture today, we think of slavery that existed in the 1700s, 1800s. I'm not saying slavery was much better in the ancient world. It wasn't. It was still slavery. Paul uses this language to say we are all enslaved to something. You have a choice. Which master do you want? Do you want the master who says, I've now set you free, and now you choose, or the master who will beat you? And that's that's the language that Paul uses. And it's meant, like we read it and again, it should make us go, oh, I don't like that language. I don't think God likes the language. I think it goes against the heart of God. You got to remember, even even in Egypt... The the Hebrews were slaves.
0: Yeah, I keep thinking about Exodus, and mm-hmm. it's like, man, well, I had it better in Egypt.
1: <laughs> well, but now, but think about this. Originally, the the law was, and some people are like, well, see, God approved of slavery. God never approved of slavery. Every time we read it, it's a historical fact that existed in the world. God operates in the world. The Jews were not allowed to own Jewish slaves. Now, some well, they could own other slaves. It was part of the culture. God is setting a standard by saying, hey. You are not allowed to enslave another, a Jew. And if you do have them as a servant, you have to let them go after a certain amount yeah. of time.
0: Jubilee. Mm.
1: The year of Jubilee. But in, in, even in that, like there were certain rules. And here's the thing. The Jews, one of the signs that the Jews had forgotten what God had done is they started enslaving their own people. Mm. This is what, when Paul uses this language of slavery, he's not just thinking of the Jews. He's also thinking about the Roman occupation And that I think it was like 35, 40% of people were in some form of slavery. And so here we come in, and Paul is using this language of freedom, and that's so foreign to us, which is why I asked the question, do you think we struggle more with legalism or liberalism? And I think we struggle with both, partly because we don't understand slavery in the same language, in the same context. We don't understand this idea that all of us are enslaved to something, whether it be sin or Jesus. And Jesus is a much better master. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And this is where Paul goes, okay, verses 3 through 4 Paul gets into this idea of falling away. He says this, Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. All right, here we go. We could do a whole nother teaching, whole nother podcast on this. What, what do you guys think? Do you think you, can, do you think you can lose your salvation? Do you think you hand it back? Do you think you're secure? And it's okay if we disagree because the Bible is not as clear as we want it to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. I was looking at it got real quiet. Real fast. Everybody else is like,
3: "Oh, I, I, I've always believed that if you are saved, then that's that's it. Like you, you are in God's hand. You are in God's provision, and nothing can take you out of that, and nothing can take you away from that." Um, that's always what I've held to, and it's always what I believed. I think it's um, um, Romans eight thirty eight. 38. Yeah. Um, for I am convinced that neither death yes. nor life
1: nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things mm-hmm. to come can separate me from the love of God.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
2: I I also believed for a very long time that um, once you had your salvation, it was secured. Mm-hmm. And I do believe salvation is a, a work of the Holy Spirit in your life, right? So if it's God's work to initiate that. I don't know if I think you can lose it, per se, where it's like... Where'd it go? Yeah, like...
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I
2: misplaced my a, salvation. It particular
0: sin or instance, and then it was nope. gone. Yep. Grace
2: covers all of that, right? Yep. And I think salvation is still secured. I think you can hand it back. I think you can choose to no longer... I think you can choose to deny Christ with... In, in faith. And I th- I believe that because I think it's a choice to first accept him. Yeah. Right? And so if I didn't have a choice to accept him in the first place, then I don't think I would have a choice to give it back later. But I, I think that you can. But I um, don't think, like, a sin causes you to, like, lose
1: it. It's not a sin. No. Yep, okay. I
0: don't think I have a very concrete, like, hard line of what I believe when it comes to losing salvation. I think... We know that the way is narrow, the gate is narrow, that the only way through the Father is through (laughs) the Son, and that we know that there will be very few that really, truly do get to see um, God's kingdom. Um, I do think that you can hand it back over, that you can reject your faith and you can reject Jesus just as easily as you can accept Jesus, that we do have that choice, and I think if every human being in the history of human beings that had ever accepted Jesus was all in heaven, that'd be a lot of people. I think that we don't have a very good idea of what salvation really even is. Do you really even understand being saved and what that means? Like, how can, how can you know that so deeply what you're, that you are saved? How can you know that so deeply? And then how do you know that that's no matter what, guaranteed. So I, I'm, still, I'm still trying to form a concrete... Yeah. I do believe that you can, you can hand it back over. So, and I do believe in my own salvation. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I think, and here's, a, if you were to look, um, there are different schools of thought. This is why I asked the question. Even in Lutheranism, uh, I, I would argue, or I, I think, I'm not a Luther scholar, so let me just be abundantly clear. There are people who have dedicated their lives to studying Luther's theology. My understanding is Luther holds to the view that you can hand back. You can reject that promise that was given to you. Uh, Guys like John Calvin, who were shortly after the Reformation, um, Calvin believed once saved, always saved. And this goes back to what you were talking about, John. And the idea is, is not can you lose your salvation, but rather is God's grip so weak that he can't hold tight those who belong to him? Mm Mm-hmm. And so his argument, the argument was, is that if you belong to God.
2: You belong to God. You
1: belong to God. Like your sin, your, nothing you can do can pry that out of his fingers, because otherwise then you're more powerful than God. There are two theological terms that are used when it comes to salvation. One is called monergism and the other is called synergism. Monergism is the belief that you only believe because God enacted faith within you. It's singularly God, mono. He did the work of faith in you. Synergism is the belief that you partnered. There's a partnership, and it is primarily God who does the work, but you still have a response to that, right? Mm -hmm. And here's what I've wrestled through over the last several years. And because I I actually went through, first, I was very uh, synergistic. Arminian is the theology that's really, that's based on that, you know, with my choice. Mm -hmm. I chose God. God didn't choose me. And then as I was doing my MDiv work, um, we are interacting a lot with Paul. And it's almost impossible to read Paul. And not get the idea of a God who chooses predestination, election, all those fun theological $10 words, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the more and more that I read, I think what I'm realizing, and this goes back to the earlier conversation, things we get legalistic about. Mm -hmm. I have brothers and sisters who I love in Christ who who become dogmatic about their theology that they now think it's theology that saves you, not Jesus. And now all of a sudden, well, if you're not a Calvinist, you're not right with God. Or if you're not an Arminian, you're not right with God, or if you're not a Lutheran or a Baptist or whatever. And I actually think there's a reason why the scriptures lean both directions. I think there's there are some verses that clearly make it sound like you can lose. You can the idea of losing there is not accurate. The illustration I used on Sunday was the abandoned building. You know, it's you don't just lose your salvation. It's not like my keys. Oh, where'd I put my salvation? Oh no, right? Oh no. Can you
0: buy a tile for your salvation? Yeah, yeah. Like really that's that's
1: what some people think. Or or that I fell, like you fell away, like I tripped and there went my salvation.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this idea of falling, when in reality, one, this isn't even what Paul's talking about. Paul's not making the focus about whether you can or cannot lose your salvation. He's trying to keep you in line with the gospel so that that either way, let's say if you do or don't believe in it, you do want to be in a right relationship with God. And, and Paul makes it sound like you can reject the gospel and therefore literally alienate. That word alienate is strong. You've separated yourself from Jesus. But more importantly, let's say now I'm proclaiming a gospel that alienates. I've already alienated myself. Now I'm alienating you from God because of my wrong theology. And what usually happens, and this goes back to deconstructing. So this is such a great conversation right now. Um, There's a guy named Walter Brueggemann. He's a really well-known liberal theologian. And when I say liberal, again, not political. It's just his view of Scripture, how he understands Scripture, tends to lean on some things that conservatives may not always agree with but he has this great a uh, uh, great way of approaching deconstruction and he uses the book of psalms and we're so afraid of deconstruction in our culture today because what we've seen is people what they're really doing is not deconstructing they're destroying down yeah they're just destroying their they're faith
0: they're not rebuilding anything else
1: that's right and and he said if you look at the psalms he uses three things he says the first one when people first get saved, and I had this experience, I'm pretty sure you did. I know you did. You were raised in the church, so mm-hmm, I, it yeah. may be a little harder. But you first get saved, and you're oriented towards God. You're excited about God. You're like, oh, my gosh, this, this God's amazing. And the gospel is fresh. And you read the Bible, you're like, oh, this is incredible. And then as you mature in faith... Things get hard, and you get disoriented. Wait, I thought I thought the gospel meant life wasn't going to be hard. I thought the gospel meant the church was going to be filled with amazing, awesome people who didn't complain and pick up. Absolutely.
2: On, right? And you get right.
1: disoriented, and then you get reoriented. He goes, this is what the Psalms show. The Psalms start off with God's people oriented towards God's love and faithfulness, and then all of a sudden they get sent into exile. They get conquered by their enemies. They get disoriented, and they go like, where are you, God?
0: Where are
1: you? Yeah, and That's they not. end up they have to deconstruct their understanding of God because they thought who God was, now all of a sudden it doesn't make sense. I thought following you God meant that I we would never be conquered. Yeah. And then through that disorientation, they're they're now reoriented and they have a better view of God, a fuller view of God. Yeah. A truer, yeah. A truer and, and, and I think words. this goes back to the losing salvation. I've I've had friends, dear friends, one of my best friends in high school who um died a few years ago It mm-hmm. still breaks my heart. And I, I trust this is where my theology doesn't always add with my heartology. Heart, yeah. Mm. I want to believe that God is faithful regardless. And I'm gonna yeah. leave it up to God's wisdom and, and discernment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I know when he was in he went to a Christian college, and I think we were like 1920 at the time, and we had a conversation and he it started with him questioning whether or not certain things were sin. It started with a slow thing, and then eventually it led into a full blown. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know if any of the stuff is real. To he died of cancer, and uh, and and talking with his brother, his brother who is a pastor. Um, when he had the conversation with, him, he said, "Listen, I didn't know I existed before I was born. I'm not going to know I exist after I'm born. I'm not afraid to die." And I was, I'm heartbroken by that because. In, Again, if I take Paul's words seriously, if I take the words of Scripture seriously, yeah, God holds tight, but it does seem to lean towards there are those who can reject, Mm -hmm.
3: and and there are those that think they will be good.
1: That's what we talked about last week. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and are not, (laughs) and then there are those who don't think they're good, and they're perfectly right with Jesus because they're yeah, but they're
0: trapped by. By shame, shame. the gospel covers that. That's right. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and, it's so
2: much deeper than we can really. And I think the other side of all of this is that our God is infinitely wiser and more knowledgeable than we can even possibly fathom. So we could sit here and like argue this and break down all the scriptures and bring them in, but in the end, God is still God, and and we do not change who He is because of our thinking.
1: And this goes back to a different form of legalism. Well, I've got my scriptures, and this is what often uh, this is the challenge God has brought to me over the last three, four years. So often I use scripture to defend my position instead of challenging my suppositions. Yeah. Amen. Right. It's so much I'm, harder. <laughs> it is. And now I'm, I'm trying to, and I say try because I don't always do it well. I'm now trying to read the Bible to say, how does this challenge? And I think that's why there's different perspectives. Yeah. Because I think the goal is not for us to argue who's right. Right. It's to ask the bigger question, which is, am I right with God?
0: Right, Not who am I right, is God who, and who
1: is Jesus? Do I understand a gospel? And this is where yeah. Paul then comes in. And he's like, "Listen, the only thing that matters, the only thing that really counts, is faith. that's expressing itself through love. Yeah. And how does faith express itself through love? Well, it's a love that's rooted in the gospel of a Jesus who died for you, who loved you, who gave his life for you. And and so we look and at
2: you reflecting it. I loved how you said that in the sermon. It was like. It's not a oh gosh, it was the
1: Peter Haas's yeah, yeah. I can't
2: remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was like, no, it's a reflection of love.
1: Yeah. And and that's really what we're trying to get to in this whole series. Now the last part of this is about this spirit filled life. And the evidence that you have the spirit is faith expressing itself through love. Paul doesn't say it's all that matters is faith. He doesn't say all that matters yeah, is faith, love. Yeah, he also doesn't say that it's all about it's all about having faith in love. I don't have faith in love.
2: No, love is terrible.
1: Love, well, especially... <laughs> the,
2: the, the not...
1: Yes. Yeah, our worldly view of yeah. love is so twisted. Yeah. But not it's faith different. expressing itself in love. And he, why does he connect it to this, you're falling away? Because what they were falling away from is they were getting hung up on being bound in legalism, being bound in that you have to do instead of an un, a God who loves... Who's, who lavishly loves his, loves his people.
0: Yeah. Um, You're getting hung up on the wrong things. You guys are missing the point.
1: That's what Paul's saying. And yeah. yeah. But then he actually says, but there is, the point is action, and what we're going to get to on Sunday, which we didn't do at Sermon Read-Through, but then he goes into this whole idea of running the race. Yeah. And, who, and he uses the question, he asks the question, who cut in on you? And, and as we're thinking about that, here's kind of where I want to end, because we're coming up close to that hour mark. Um, the challenge for us in reading Paul, and, you know, we in, uh, Paul has dealt with the multi-ethnic church. He's dealt with legalism versus liberalism, that both sides are equally, are two sides of the same, uh, of equally unhealthy things. He's now gotten into that we are called to freedom, but freedom doesn't mean do whatever you want. It means you're free to love Jesus and free to express faith and love. And then he gets into this idea of spirit empowered hope, and that our hope is in the righteousness that comes through Christ. And then he then talks about the race we're running. What gets in the way of us running our race? Now let me make it personal for you. I'll make it. all start with me. Okay. One of the things I actually don't struggle with legalism as much anymore. I used to. It was a really hard thing for me. I actually I do I wrestle with liberalism. Not that every sin just do what you want, but I I so I got so ingrained with legalism and I saw how toxic it was that sometimes if you're not careful people think I'm saying everything's okay and I'm not but I could see where that heart swing in me wants to say man we get so we got so distracted by dumb things that we've missed the heart that if I'm not careful what what might come across is that I don't care about sin or that God doesn't care about sin and that's why when we get deeper into Galatians 5 Paul's going to call out sin in a very intentional way but for me I'll be honest, I don't I don't struggle with the legalism as much anymore. There are parts that maybe I do, but man, sometimes it's hard to be reminded that also, no, it is calling us as Christians to a life that honors Jesus. And what cuts in on my race is sometimes sometimes I get frustrated when the church cares more about sin than the people. Yeah. And and, and my, my tendency is to almost overreact, to overcorrect, and just say, man, I'm just glad you're here. I, I get it. Your life's not figured out. and But I still have to remind myself, no, I got to get them to the point where they do care. Yeah, it, Does that make sense? It, mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing that cuts in for me, that if I'm not careful, I could find myself going that route of, man, just as long as you love Jesus, because I've seen how toxic the other side is. But yeah. that side is just equally it's toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I think something for me is, I mean, basically the opposite of what you're saying. But I, lately, I've just been having a really hard time loving Christians who profess Christ the way that I love non-Christians. Mm. Like for for me, I it is just I I have no problem loving the person who who doesn't have Christ. Like yeah. they're e- they're easy for me to love. The people who say they do, I'm just so quick to to forget that they are also still human, yeah. that their love for Jesus does not equate perfection in their lives. And, 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 and so anyway, that for me, like, I'm just, I've been noticing a couple of bumps that I've been running into where I'm like, okay, this was because you th- wanted them to be better, you know? And and that can start from a good place. Like I want more from you yeah, or for you, not from you, for you. Yeah. But then it's like, but that can get so tw- easily twisted of like, why don't you want more for yourself? Like, yeah. shame on you. You know, in a place mm-hmm. of judgment.
3: Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. That's Come really on. good. Yeah. I remember when I was in choir and we'd we'd be singing a passage, a, a, a you know, a couple measures, and we'd stop and the director would go, We're flat. So we're we're sinking in pitch here. Something's going on. And he wouldn't leave it at that. He would go to us and be like, if it's you, I want you to, we're gonna sing this again. I want you to listen, listen across the choir. Ask yourself, is it me? Am I the one who's flat? Cause we'll fix it so much faster if we're, if we're listening across and we're focused on what we're doing than if we're trying to be like, no, it was him, it was her, it was... <laughs> and I still remember that. Cause it's, it, it, it's like, I can, get to the, I can get to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm good. I have read Galatians. Um, I think I understand it, uh, and I'm good. I don't need to. I don't need to do anything else. Where I'm, where and then I'm just, I'm constantly sinking in pitch, quote unquote. I'm I'm over here sinking and sagging and going. Oh, everybody else needs to get their act together. I'm fine over here. Yeah. And it's that call to self reflection and and self examination and and challenge what you were saying, Jason. Be like, yeah. is there something that I'm missing here? Is there something more yeah. to my understanding? Is God just a little bit bigger than the box I've put him in? Yeah. You know?
0: yeah. I am going to shout out to Bob Goff. But there's, a, there's your Bob Goff. There's here go. Bob Goff. There's a phrase that he uses, and I can't remember if it's in Love Does or Everybody Always, but he says, and it was so convicting for me, he said, in a situation where you feel like somebody needs to be more loving because people hold me up, I get so focused on other people, like what you're saying, like you, 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 you. It's probably you. Yeah. In a situation mm-hmm. where you feel like somebody needs to be more loving, it's probably you. Yeah. And I think what holds me up in my race is I forget what I was saved from.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good, yeah.
0: I get so focused on that I am in salvation and this Christianese culture that I get to fall into step with, and I get to be relevant in my Christian church, capital C or little c, or big giant Z, however you want to look at it, <laughs> that I can be in the in crowd now, that I forget what I was saying from, that i and that holds me up. And it's like the things that Kate Garner used to pray for, or Katie Evans used to pray for. Mm-hmm. And think about before I even knew what a prayer was, yeah. right? Before I even knew anything and that freedom that I really get to have and what that means and walk out and like how excited I would be. To be doing my dream job right now, and how easily I get hung up in that, and I'm looking at everything else, but keeping my eyes fixed on my salvation every day—that holds me up.
1: It's, I think the the thing that comes into view for me in all of this. So uh, we were a a long time ago. We were having looking at having every staff member kind of who is the person in the Bible that you most relate to, and you were going to preach on that. And for years, I thought it was Peter for me because i put my foot in my mouth a lot i often dream big and i want to do big things but man i can get in my own way and i struggle with pride and all those things and then i remember the more i began to learn about paul and i went i really feel like paul cuz i had a secondary i don't believe paul was converted but i had a secondary salvation when i first got saved i was so legalistic and and airy like i was judgmental and i remember you know i was proud of him. i was I bragged about how legalistic I was. Mm-hmm. And then once, like, it was like God knocked me on my tukis.
0: <laughs> good Yiddish and, word. Good Yiddish mm.
1: word. <laughs> and and I remember having the scales on my eyes, and now all of a sudden I'm like, I don't ever want to go back to that. Yeah. And there's a reason why a lot of... It's a like lot a of,
0: true refining.
1: Yeah, and there's a reason why a lot of people think that Paul is antinomian, that he's against the law. No, he just realizes he, that's what he was. Yeah. Paul was the guy who put all of his trust in being Jewish. Yeah.
0: Not only was he a slave to the law, but he was enslaving others. That's right, and
1: and gladly boasting of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when he had his encounter with Jesus, and it was almost like I had a second salvation. Like I still can remember that moment, and I think that's for me. It's not that I don't believe in preaching the truth. Anybody who knows me, I have no problem preaching the truth. But I'm so fearful of people getting caught up in that legalism that they actually miss the gospel. That I'm afraid that sometimes I I may actually deal with sin too little. Because I don't want to, I don't want to get in the way of what the hope of Jesus is. And yet then when we get to chapter five in a little bit here, Paul is going to say, these are the things that have nothing to do with the kingdom. And in, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about life and the what is the fruit of the spirit and, mm-hmm. and all of that comes in. Why does it, what does this have to do with the first four chapters, which have to do with being enslaved to the law and being enslaved? Because the spirit, which leads to express to faith in love should act we should act differently and i love i love the honesty of everybody here and you know it is it's so easy to forget kate hey look i forget what god had done for me and how much i'd been praying for the things i have now now that i have them i feel entitled to them Mm -hmm. right john it's easy to forget that i'm i'm the one who's flat i'm so fixated on whether you are and forgetting Mm -hmm. i am jennifer it's it's that realizing that it's so easy to be judgmental and for me it's hey, yeah, people need to know the grace, but they also need to know that the real freedom comes in obedience to the yeah, Lord. Yeah. Yep. And how do we preach that? Well, and, and this is what Paul is bringing us to, is that no, following Jesus is better, better than anything else we do, and yet it still has, there are still commands. They're just now commands not birthed out of fear. They're commands birthed out of trust. They're birthed out of a place of knowing my identity. Well, this, is, this has been a... This, and
2: i knowing God, I'd say.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I, there's a book that I, I, I've i highly recommended for years, uh, The Gift of Being Yourself by David oh, yeah. Benner. And he has this great quote. He says, you cannot fully know God until you know yourself. You cannot fully know God until... You cannot fully know, know yourself until, until you know, you know God. God. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I hope you found this helpful. If you enjoyed this podcast or this thing, do me a favor. So a lot of people are listening to this on on our app, which is awesome. I love that people are on our app. Um, But if you can go to the actual podcast, to the Apple podcast, it's that little purple emblem on your phone. If you can leave a review, leave a star rating, even if you don't like it, if you're like, this thing's horrible, rating's still a rating. But I'd love for you to share it with somebody if you found it helpful. Leave us your thoughts. Um, this is, I always enjoy this time and I've actually missed it. We took a little bit of break in the new year or before the new year and, and uh, Kate, you are on back on and we're almost done with Galatians, guys. Like we I think I think we have I think we have like three more weeks. Six more years. Oh, just no. six. <laughs> more, no, I think we only have like three or four more weeks of Galatians, yeah. and then we're getting into Lent, and I'm super I excited for. I just really want to
2: know how that seven years. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> we're almost there, guys. No, we are not. No, how
1: it went through is and Romans one verse one. That's week one.
3: Yeah, I know, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. and and it's and and it. Here's people loved it. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's there's a lot of things like. Honestly, had we just skipped through a lot of things over this, we would have missed some very... I've had people who come to me and like, I had no idea this was even in here. I had no idea that this is what God was talking about. So it's worth it, but it is work. Yeah. And and as Derek said, it can get a little tiring (laughs) for all involved. I think
2: his words were boring. Yes, (laughs) I think
1: his exact word was boring. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, this is the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm John. Jennifer. And enjoy your fresca.
0: Thank you for listening to The Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of The Breakthrough Breakdown.